There you go. Nothing says Merry Christmas like Clark W. Griswold. Amen? 500,000 strands of light stapled to your house. Just a show of hands, how many of you have sometime in the past or maybe this year uh, attached lights to your house? Not stapled them, but put Christmas lights on. Okay, gotcha. How many of you um, are the obnoxious people that leave them up till February? Anybody? Nobody wants to admit that? Don't, yeah, don't lie in church. You're here. Uh, but nothing says Merry Christmas like that. Light is a very powerful thing. Christmas and light seem to go together. That's why we love those scenes is because we can relate to Clark and we can relate to his struggles and what's going on. We are delighted that you are here tonight. We, it is good to laugh. It is good to be together. It is good to reflect on the year that has been. And we are so glad that you have chosen to worship with us here tonight to worship our Savior that has been born to us. We relate to that because light is a big part of our story, but so is darkness. Regardless, lights and Christmas just seem to go together. It wouldn't be Christmas without them. Some of you are the kind of people, I don't know if you did this when you were growing up, but did you drive around as a family and look at Christmas lights? Do you still do that? Does anybody do that? Okay, four of you, the rest of you, okay, you're Scrooge. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you go drive around and look at lights? Anybody? Okay, just wanted to check. And you drive around, when I was little, we would load up into the family station wagon, and we would drive around in our uh, brew, uh, a blue Subaru, and we would drive around, we'd get some hot chocolate and, and popcorn or pretzels or something like that, and we would drive around, and we were those people that went like five or ten miles an hour uh, through all of the neighborhoods just to, just to take it all in, just to soak in the light that shines in the darkness. That's what light is supposed to do. In fact, light shining in the darkness has been really what Christmas has been all about from the very beginning. We read in the Gospel of John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and through him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. And then let's read this last verse, verse 5, together up on the screen, nice and loud. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I want you to just breathe that in tonight. I just want you to soak that truth in. That is not a passing statement. That is not something that you just read and say, okay, now I'm going to move on. That might be one of the most important passages that we ever read in all of scripture. Jesus Christ, the word himself, came to shine the light of God's love into our dark world. And not just any darkness, but the darkness of a world and the darkness of a people who had turned their backs on the God who created them. If you think about that, when you think about darkness, you can think about it in great sweeping strokes or you can think about it as what's on the human heart. You can think about it in terms of the same God that gave us breath, the same God who created us, who gave us life, that fills our lungs with the breath of life here tonight, well, that's the God that we turned our backs on. And you can talk about it 2,000 years ago as we read these passages, or you can talk about it right now here tonight. Not much has changed. The darkness is still the same, and the light is still the same, but this light isn't just an ordinary light. This is God becoming man, the same God who in the beginning said out of nothing, into pure nothingness, into the darkness, this God said, let there be light. 
and there was light, and he created day and night. The same God, the light of the world, who under the cover of darkness comes into the sleepy town of Bethlehem and points his people home through the light of the Star of David, points them home to the manger. And if you let it, if you let it, the light will always lead you home. Just thinking about it this week as I was cleaning out some of our drawers and I found this flashlight. I've had this flashlight with me for a long time. It was with me when I was young. These mag lights, they last a long time. I just remember that truth of the light leading me back home as if it was yesterday. One of my brother and I, favorite things to do, not during this time of year, but in the summer when it was nice, was we would camp out in the backyard. Now, looking back on it as an adult, you'd say, you're in your backyard and you're going to sleep on the hard ground in a tent uh, versus the comfort of your own bed. What is so cool about that? Well, for all we knew, we were in Yosemite National Park. I mean, this was the coolest thing ever. And so my brother's two years older than I, and so as older brothers do, he liked to make the experience interesting for me. And so there we are, and only a few times each summer, so I looked forward to this for months. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do it. It's coming up. It's in August. This is when we're going to do it. And my dad would camp out with us sometimes, but this time he decided, you boys go out and just make sure you don't kill each other. That was, you know, just kind of go out there and, and do your camping. I'm making sure the tent's ready. I'm getting my sleeping bag. I'm getting my flashlight and, and, and plenty of snacks. And the one thing that no little boy can do without is my homemade rubber band shooter. Double barrel, of course, because this was an overnight stay, and you might... So there we are, living every boy's little dream under the stars, camping out in the glow of our backyard, living, living the dream, and, and my kind and my loving older brother knows it's my first time camping out, and so there I am, and, and, and as we're trying to fall asleep, he rolls over and tells me, you know, John, after dark the bears come out. I'm like, in Story City? I've never seen one, but as an eight-year-old, I'm like, really? Yeah, he said, there's lions and, and tigers and bears. And I should have said, oh my, but I didn't know that then. And, and I'm like, no, really? In Story City? He goes, yeah. And he said, I'm, I'm, we're in a very, very small tent, and I am leaning up the side, against the side of the tent, and I've been kind of playing with it with my hands. And he goes, yeah, you know what else? You know what I heard? That if you get too close and you get your fingerprints on the side of the tent, the bears, they can smell the oil on, their finger, on your fingers. And they'll come in, and they'll rip down the tent, and they'll eat us. And I'm Oh, no. And I'm so scared, and, I, and, and, and I'm freaking out. And keep in mind that that older brother of mine is now a pastor, uh, which just goes to show that, that even the evilest of hearts can, can have a change of heart. And, and so hearing this, of course, I am just, I'm, I'm, I can't sleep the whole night. And I, I, the entire night, I'm sleeping straight as an arrow like this with my flashlight right here, just shining it up, just, you know, checking, making sure there's no bears out there. And then my, my double barrel um, rubber band gun right next to me because everyone knows that if a bear comes and smells the oil on your fingers and comes into an eight-year-old's tent, you can just shoot him with the rubber bands and everything will work out. And my dad pops in the tent just to check on us before we fall asleep and he kind of unzips and he goes, boys, 
everything okay in here? And I'm like shaking them. Yeah, everything's just great. Everything's just fine. Everything's fine. I'm just kind of shining my light around. I've got my rubber band gun. And uh, he says, uh, John, you don't, you don't need to be afraid. And I'm like, oh, dad, you don't know. And I wasn't going to throw my brother under the bus uh, at that time. And he, he just said to me these words, and I'll never forget him. He said, John, you know, if you, if you get scared and you ever want to come inside, if you ever want to just come home, just take your flashlight and you shine it up at our window, and that's where I'm going to be the whole night. And I'll look out, and all you have to do is take your flashlight and flash it three times. And that means that you want to come home. And that was our secret code that he gave me. And he said, if you see that, I'll have my flashlight, my dad said. And he said, I'll be up in the window, and you'll see in the window. You just look up, and you'll see. And that means I'm ready for you to come home. And I remember those words as if it was yesterday. And, of course, we giggle and we laugh about it. Now, because there's no bears in Story City. The bears and lions and tigers in the backyard in Story City aren't real. But the darkness is real. But the darkness is real. That hasn't changed. You can watch it on the evening news. You can look it up in any newspaper. Disasters, scandal, violence, hatred. Or you can look inside the human heart. I've been meeting with a gentleman that's a part of our community here and on the, for several months. And on the outside, he's a great family man. He's got a beautiful wife. He's got a beautiful marriage. Great family. Church-going family. He's a successful middle-aged businessman. Everything you would say on the outside is going great. But on the inside, he's crumbling. And I'm talking to him a couple months ago. Oh, a couple weeks ago, actually. We followed up and... He's just weeping. And he said, John, I'm so scared because I'm afraid that she's going to leave me. She said, if I don't get my anger issue under control, if I don't stop working 70 hours a week, I'm going to lose her and I'm going to lose the kids and I'm going to have nothing left. And he said, no matter how hard I try to change, it's like the darkness of my heart keeps overtaking me. No matter how good I try to be, I keep messing up. You can read about darkness in the newspaper or you can read about it as you look inside the human heart and it's very, very real. In the past month, I've officiated the funeral of a man who was a few weeks away from getting married. And a few days ago, I officiated the funeral of some friends who had their child die in the womb. Darkness is very, very real. There's no getting around it. It's not just outside in the backyard. Darkness is very, very real. And some of you are sitting there going, well, Pastor John, you really know how to cheer everybody up on Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for the pep talk, right? But here's the thing. If we don't acknowledge the darkness, we'll never understand how amazing the light can be. If we don't admit that we have a problem, that we're lost in the darkness and we are far, far away from home. And no one understands that, then several hundred member crew and support team, and especially the three-member flight crew, if you remember, of Apollo 13. Can you believe it? This might make you feel a little old. It makes, starts to make me feel a little old. This movie came out over close to 20 years ago. 
now, if you remember that. If you're a Tom Hanks fan, you can remember how young he looks here. And this was supposed to be, Apollo 13 was supposed to be one of the crowning achievements of the NASA space explorations. They got it all figured out, and everything was going along great. It was a successful launch, and they were going along in life like everything was normal, and everything was fine. There's nothing to be worried about, and there's nothing to be afraid of. What could possibly go wrong? Until, well... You know the rest of the story and the famous line. We encounter the darkness. Houston, we have a problem. Let's take a look. Houston, we have a problem. We hear those famous words and we agree, yes, absolutely, in their case. But doesn't it really seem like it's hard to admit for ourselves that we too are lost in darkness, and we are a long way from home. You think they were a long way from home. Scripture says that the darkness, the darkness of our heart and the sin that lives inside of us separates us from God, and that distance could not be longer. It separates us from our Creator. They too, we too, are lost in darkness and a long way from home. And I get it at this point. Some of you are thinking, okay, that's great, John. This is where, John, you're really going to go after, you know, the really, the deep sinners in the room. The church people can relax for a little bit. And this is for the people that have been away from church for a long time and you kind of start to squirm in your chair. This is for the really bad sinners in the room, all those people that have real issues. Of course, not the church people. Well, have I got news for you? Church people really have issues too, which means we are all in the same boat, which means we all have issues. So just in case you need a reminder, just elbow the person next to you and say, neighbor, you've got issues. Just tell them right now, neighbor, you've got issues. Just let them know. Some of you enjoy that a little bit too much. I'll be honest, sometimes it's the churchy people Sometimes it's the religious people that say, I don't really need the light. Sometimes it's the churchy people. Sometimes it's the religious people that that are the farthest from home. And I'm not talking about home tonight in a physical sense, but I'm saying home with me, God says, in a relationship with me. Home where you stop trying to stock up your good deeds and thinking that that is what makes you right before God. If only I am a good enough person, if only I pray enough, if only I go to worship, if only I go to church enough, then I will be a good and righteous person. Home where you stop running after everything that the world has to offer, looking for the lasting pleasure or joy or satisfaction, but you're never going to find it. But you're never going to find it. If we're honest, we are desperate for the light. We are desperate for the light. And we look a lot of different places for the light, and the question is, where are we going to find it? We're looking around. It's a dark room tonight. We need a lot of light to light up this room. Where in the world are we going to find enough light? Yeah. Oh. Oh, uh, Pastor Andy. Every welcome, Pastor Andy, to the stage. Everybody, we're glad you're here. Welcome, Andy. Uh, Andy, they're not. I, what? They're, I'm. I'm. I'm in the middle of the sermon. It's Christmas Eve. Yeah, I know, but you just yeah. said, where are we going to find the light? 
What I in got the, some answers for you. What, here. Can here, you I can't out. even. What in I the know, world is going on? Probably a little too much voltage attached. Oh to my me right word! Now. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> this. Uh, yeah. Is I, that? Do I smell smoke? Uh, that would be a problem. That maybe, would be an maybe, issue. Yeah, wow! Wow, Andy, right. you are. Yeah, step I, up here. I, I don't know if they can see or not there. I don't know if I can there. step well, up oh, here. Yeah, can don't don't, don't trip on yourself. What in the world is going on? Well, I. This is from my office. Yeah, I know. Wow. Darkness, what? darkness, light. light. Isn't this what you're talking wow. about? I thought we That's could help you your find Adam's some... apple has a headlamp. That's great. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you never know when wow. that's going to come. Wow, what in, in the handy. world is this? This is uh, like. I don't, I don't know. Wow, that's Careful. amazing, Andy. That's. Careful. Yeah. But light. actually, Andy, I appreciate this, but this isn't the kind of light that I'm talking about. Well, I, this is a it's, pretty good it's set Christmas. of light sources here. We need a different kind of light. These lights are going to burn out. They're going to go out. I mean, I appreciate the help. Okay. saw you're working on this back there, but yeah. I, I think you need a little... Well, maybe set. we've... Oh, oh maybe hey. This guy, uh, maybe this guy can help it's, you out. Uh, David Cowger, everyone. Wow. All right, I'm here with... All right. Wow. Come on. David. David. Were you guys in on this? To, no. David, I, it's Christmas Eve. I'm in the middle of my I know, sermon. but I brought some Christmas so, light. Some Christmas. Oh, Andy, see, it's Christmas. So David's oh, working on Christmas, Christmas lights. lights. Yeah, well, I got you. I'm excited for you, David, but it doesn't even work. No, no, it, it does. It Wait, does? You, you know what you should do? No, should you plug guys, that in. Yeah, go, you should go plug, figure it out. You should go, plug that in. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah, worried about this. Don't, okay. uh, uh, don't uh, electrocute uh, yourself or anything. Whoa, go. wow. Yeah, see? Look hey, at this guy. You wanted light. Wow, you got I light. light. Guys, this, what else could a guy ask for? This isn't the kind of light. Um, you look like a Christmas tree and an elf <sighs> put together. Why is that a bad thing? We could hang it. <laughs> Are you saying uh, that we need to go do something else? This is not the kind of light we're looking for. Uh, guys, I'm talking about the light of the world, like Jesus Christ. That's the kind of light uh, we're looking for. It's, I'm, not, I'm not looking for lamps, But Andy. I, I love lamps. <laughs> I know you, David. I'm not. I'm not looking for more garland and but lights. That I, I checked every bulb. I know you checked every. <laughs> I know you did, Santa. But it's not. That's not what I'm. Guys, I'm looking for right. the light of the world. These are all going to go off. I really appreciate your help, but okay. I'm going to go ahead and finish my I sermon. Think we'll so we listen get, to the rest. Of yeah. The thanks. Thanks, you guys. Yeah. Give Andy okay. and David a, a hand for coming up. Appreciate that. Thanks, you guys. Appreciate it, Mary. Merry Christmas. Wow, yeah, get his tail there. Wow. Appreciate it. Thanks, you guys, for the great effort. That's, that's awesome. I wish it was a light that we could produce on our own, but all the lights that you see are going to go out. Even Clark W. Griswold that you could see from space, his lights are going to go out eventually. We need a light that we can't produce on our own. We need a light that's out side of us, and throughout the course of history, God is producing a light that's much brighter than anything that we could come up with on our own. Go back with me all the way to the book of Exodus in the New Testament. Yes, this isn't just a Christmas thing. It's not just a Jesus thing in the New Testament. God has been lighting the path for his people to come home for a very long time. All the way back in the books of, book of Exodus, God is, is leading his people through the wilderness, and they're, they're wandering through the desert. And we read this. It says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and in the night a pillar of fire to do what? To give them light so that they could travel by day or night. God said to his people long ago, Follow the light 
and you'll find your way home. God says, follow the light and you'll find your way home. And so it should not surprise us that thousands of years later, on a night that all the prophets told us about, it should not surprise us that on a dark night in Bethlehem we read, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will be great joy for all people. Today in the town of of David, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. God was shining his light in the Bethlehem sky, calling the shepherds home to the manger to himself. How? Follow the light. God says, and I'll lead you home. But have you ever wondered why of all people, why of all people, the way that God could make his grand entrance into the world, why did he choose a bunch of smelly, stinky, gross shepherds living out in the middle of nowhere? To understand how strange this story is, have you ever read it like this? And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Not they went into the Holiday Inn in Bethlehem and cleaned up, for Jesus. They were out there living. They live, they eat, they sleep with sheep. They live in the fields. These are about the most ordinary outcasts of society that nobody wants to be with as you can come. To understand how crazy the story is, you have to understand the life of of a shepherd is ordinary. They don't see angels appearing to them in the night sky all the time. Their life is utterly mundane. It is boring. It is normal. Wake up. Watch the sheep. Have lunch. Watch the sheep. Move a few rocks. Watch the sheep. Move uh, you know, a, a staff. You know, move your stick. Watch the sheep. Go to bed. Repeat. Do it all over again. Their life is normal. It's simple. It's mundane. And if you're a shepherd living out in the fields, you have pretty much decided this is how life is. This is what life is like. It's ordinary. And I wonder if we're not so different than the shepherds. As you're sitting here tonight, has your relationship with God become ordinary? Have you pretty much settled on the fact, this is what this whole thing is, this is the way things are. I've got my opinions made up about this whole Jesus thing. I mean, it's just a tradition, right? And, and I mean, religion is a, is a good thing to do, but I'm just going to kind of keep God over there and put him on the shelf, and I'll take him out when I need him, just like an old box of cereal or something. When I feel like it, I'll use it. And if that's just a couple times a year, that's great. But God, you stay in my box. You stay in, in the box that I've created for you, because there you're safe. It's comfortable for me, and it's predictable. And that's where we keep him. I've got my family life. I've got my work life. I've got my social life. And then, you know, when I need him, I pull God off the shelf. And this seems to work because it's really just about surviving, isn't it? Some of you are in that mode. Life's ordinary. It's just about surviving one week to the next. There's not really true joy to be had, is there? There's not really true peace to be had, is there? Because when you live in the land of routine, there is no way that things are ever going to change unless it's Christmas. Unless it's Christmas. And the light of the world has come to shine in the darkness of your complacency and your apathy. 
The light of the star called out to the shepherds, and it calls out to you tonight, come home. Come home. And let God come to you on his terms, not on yours. And I'll show you, God says, that abundant life that you've been looking for. So there we have the shepherds. The light is leading them home to the manger, but they weren't the only characters in our story. We know that several weeks or several months later, not necessarily at the same time, there's another group mentioned in our story that Matthew's gospel tells us about. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, it says in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star... We saw the light of the star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. They saw the star, they saw the light, and they followed. God calling them home once again. Yet what we know of Magi is that they were everything that the shepherds were not. If you know anything about this story, they were royal, they were dignified, they were educated, they were probably high class. In other words, life was far from ordinary and mundane. Life was fine. Life was just fine. In fact, it was probably more than fine. If you're from the Orient, the land in the east of Judea was full of riches and power and wealth and palaces of gold and princes and kings and power. We don't know a lot about these magi, but we know this from the standards of the world. They probably had it all, and they probably had it all together. And if we pause the story there, I wonder how many of us get stuck here in a different kind of darkness, the darkness of, I'm fine. How are you this Christmas? Oh, I'm fine. Really? Is that what Jesus came for on Christmas so that we could be fine? And maybe for you, life is more than fine. Life is going really well. The, the, the family's in line. The budget's in line. You're really gifted and skilled at what you do. You're confident. You're strong. You're an independent, mature adult. And of course, there's religion, and religion is religion, and church is church. But a relationship with God, that's for the emotional Christians. That's for those weird Christians that get all emotional and wound up about it. After all, isn't life just a little bit more practical than that? Let's just keep this relationship thing with God out of it. That's fine, unless it's Christmas. Unless we have a God who says, I am much more than a baby in a manger. I am the king of kings and I am the lord of lords to which one day every knee will buy, will bow, and you can strip away all your titles and all your positions and all your prestige and what's in your checkbook and the size of your house and how many cars you have and all your successes and everything in this life and you strip it all the way down. And if you learn anything from the magi, they came and they laid it all down at the feet of Jesus. Because something had shifted in their hearts by the time that these magi arrived at the scene. They had everything, and yet they knew there was something about this infant that he was offering to them that was a void inside of them that nothing in this world can satisfy. My question for you tonight is, just like the magi, who calls the shots for you? Who's the Lord of your life? Everybody wants Jesus to be their Savior. Not everybody's comfortable with him being their Lord. 
Who's in charge of your life? Who's the director? Who calls the shots for you? Something in their hearts had shifted that says there's way more to life than having stuff, more to looking like you have it all together. Something that said if the God of the universe, I want you to think about this for a second. If the God of the universe is is willing to be weak and vulnerable, then maybe that's okay for me. Maybe it's okay to stop pretending tonight. Maybe it's okay to stop hiding tonight. Maybe it's okay to start letting the walls come down and recapture the innocence of that childlike faith you had when you were young. I think that's exactly what God wanted to do in me this last week. Now, I'll can't, I just want to be candid and be honest with you for a second. I feel like I'm kind of a, kind of a jock. I, I enjoy sports. I enjoy watching football. I'm kind of a, a manly man. I don't think I've done anything recently to get my man card taken away. Um, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about that. I feel pretty strong in my masculinity. And so there I am watching a football game like guys do and eating some nachos. And along comes this commercial for Airwick. Candles. And I'm weeping. And I just want to let you know, I don't normally cry at commercials about scented candles. But it was much more than that. As I watched it, no, it was actually about a light that calls us home. That's calling you home. Let's take a look. And now you know why I weep during football games. Because all he has to do is light a candle. And it reminds him of home. Probably wouldn't have hit me until I became a father myself, but when life gets busy, you know, when we get distracted by so many other things, the only thing I want to do is go home and hug my boy. Because I want to be home. My wife picked him up from daycare today, and she said the whole way home in the van, he's just saying, Daddy, home. Daddy, home. Daddy, home. How long have you been away from home? Have you been wandering? Have you been rejecting it? I'm not talking about a physical place. I'm talking about right here. Home is with Jesus Christ. And some of you have been out wandering, and some of you don't want to come home because I can't be a part of a church. You don't, you don't, you don't know what I've done. And you're living in the guilt and shame of your past. We've already established the fact that we all have issues. So you're home here. You're welcome here. But sometimes you say, I... I, I I couldn't be a part of a church, but if you watch that, I think it's very, very clear. It became very clear to me. We were not meant to be separated from our family. And that same goes for your family, your your, your heavenly family here, your brothers and sisters in Christ. You were meant to be in relationship with God and in relationship with his people. Not just once or twice a year. It's how are you created. It's how you were wired up. And I know what some of you are thinking. This church thing is just not for me. And I have to tell some of you, I, oh, there's a bunch of hypocrites and they're imperfect and all these things. You're right. This is an imperfect church. But there's a lot of love in this room. Our same two-year-old son was, well, we were <laughs> 
coming from home here for a church function last week, and I was holding in my arms, and I walked in the front doors that you walked in, walked into tonight, and he's learning lots of words. He's learning church, and he's learning home, and he's learning cheese and all sorts of things. And as we walked in the front doors, he said, home. Daddy, home. And I was just about to correct him and say, no, actually, Caleb, we just came from home and now we're at ch- Actually, son, you're brilliant. I mean, he is our son, after all. That comes from my wife. I said, this is home. And it can be anybody's home if you want it to be. And most importantly, the home that you find when you come and you hear the message, it's never been about hope. It's never been about Hope Des Moines. It's not about a building. It's not about me. It's about the one who's calling us home. It's about the light that if you follow it will lead you home. Maybe for you it's time to come home. Maybe it's time to shine that light and hit the code that tells your father, I'm ready. I'm ready to come home. And, I, and I, I, don't, I don't know what God's flashlight is like, but it's probably like a big semi-truck that when you're, you know, coming off the other way on the interstate and it's coming at you and they forgot to turn their brights off, take that times about a gazillion and that's God's message back to you from your father. It's time to come home. Stop wandering around. It's time to come home. And he's just blinding you with those lights. The light is here. Turn around and stop walking in darkness and come home into the light. You'll notice that the cradle is empty. And no, we didn't forget the baby, for pity's sakes, on Christmas Eve. He'll come in a little bit, but right now it's empty because that's a very clear message. He didn't stay a baby. He became a man who lived and died and rose again, who is the light in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And I died upon an old rugged cross, and I rose again, and I defeated the power of sin, death, and hell, and I defeated the power of any darkness that you will ever face in your life. It is not the end of the story for my friends that I did the funeral services for. It is not the end of the story. Praise God for that. Praise God that death is not the end for you. Praise God that darkness is never the end for us. He didn't stay a baby. He became a man. Who is our Savior? Maybe it's time to come home. God's mission has been and will always be to do whatever it takes to get his children home. And that became the mission as you remember, of the entire crew and the entire support team for Apollo 13. All that mission, all to get three guys home. And as everybody, all the friends and family, the loved ones are glued to their TV sets, the question on everybody's mind is, will they make it home? Let's take a look. And there was much rejoicing at NASA The Bible says when one sinner repents and comes home, that there is rejoicing in heaven, that the angels cry out, Alleluia. When you watch that, you might think, oh, that's great, John. That's a movie clip. I get it. That's Apollo 13. We know what happens. We know the end of the story. We know that they made it home. 
please don't leave here tonight without coming home to the light of God's love for you. It's not just a Christmas Eve service. It's not just a church thing when it has to do with the ones that you love. And that is God's heart for every single one of you tonight. Your heavenly Father stands and is waiting for you tonight with open arms, the light of the world, saying what they heard. My son, my daughter, it's good to see you again. Welcome home. The light of God's love shines brightly for you. If you haven't already, grab that candle that's underneath your chair. This is a tradition that the church has done for centuries. That really, since the beginning of time, a light has shined in the darkness. And the darkness will never overcome it. When one sinner comes home, all of heaven, all the angels cry, Hallelujah. Christmas is a time to celebrate because there's joy, because we can come home to the light.